This is Aisle 42. Fresh bread is a staple in our grocery shopping routine, and for most households, loaves and buns find their way into a lot of our meals. In this episode of Aisle 42, I talk with Matt Simone from Portofino Bakery, and we talk about the grocery store, sustainable ingredient sourcing, slow craft and artisanal bread making, and the ethical production of perishable food. Our conversation covers some really interesting ground around plastic, food waste, recycling, B Corp and Radical Climate Smart certifications, local economies, happy employees, and we nerd out on things like how flavor and texture still require careful consideration, even when produced at a big scale. So let's jump in. Here's Matt Simone from Portofino Bakery. Matt, we've talked a few times and I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now. Not only do we have a shared connection in Don Chisholm from Dossier Creative, who's now part of the family of companies behind Ethical Food Group, but my family loves your bread. We buy a loaf every week. We've done it for years, so I'm a big fan. But before we get to your bakery's commitment to local sourcing, sustainability, all the wonderful, delicious things you guys are making, and all the communities that you're working in, I'm going to ask you this. If you were to imagine the perfect grocery store of the future, what would it look like? Wow. Yeah, I think a grocery store where brands win. I think we're seeing some really interesting innovation in traditional categories, like the bread category or, or even the water category, the snacking category. I think we're in a bit of a revolution here. And I think to me, the grocery store of the future looks like a lot more exciting brands. And I think we're just at the beginning of that. Yeah, there's so much innovation at the grocery store. And, you know, we all shop very habitually, right? We go to the same things. We look for the same logos for the same type of packaging. We have a lot of familiarity when we're shopping. When that gets interrupted, it's sort of a bit of a head shake and it can be very exciting. I feel like we're getting interrupted more, aren't we? End caps and displays and obviously price promotions can be helpful, but sometimes it's new products and new ideas from, you know, around the corner or from halfway around the world, the grocery store does have a lot to offer when it comes to getting us excited about what we're putting in our cart and what we're eating and consuming at home and when we're on the go. Yeah, I think that's well said, Corwin. And I, and I think we as consumers are have learned a lot in the past, let's call it five to 10 years. And I think part of that education piece is understanding which brands really hold up under a spotlight and which brands are just, just branding and, and marketing. And I think we're seeing some shock and awe in certain categories. We're seeing it in the water category. When I first saw the brand Liquid Death in the States, I thought, wow, this is a testament to trying to get consumer attention about a new and exciting product. And in water, that's what it took. It took putting a skull and crossbones on the packaging. And, and it seems to be working really well for them. And selfishly, we see the same thing in a lot of the bread category as well. There's been many companies that have been in that category for years and decades and haven't put a lot of focus on product development, haven't put a lot of focus into generating excitement around the product, uh, whether that's through in-store promotions or displays, or even the packaging itself or what the company stands for. And so that's 
our ethos at Portofino is, is trying to bring some excitement back to the categories and it's being received really, really well. And we think it's going to be a really big opportunity for us to keep doubling down on that. How do we bring excitement to the bread aisle overall? Well, let's stay there then. What what are all the things you're making? I know that Portofino is one of your big brands. And, and so I'm a very, I've bought a bunch of the Portofino products, but what are, can you give us the landscape here? Like, what are you guys making? Are you just in the bread area? Are you in other places of the grocery store? What's the landscape like for you guys? So our parent company, which I'm a co-founder of, is called Bond Bakery Brands. And we're a platform of bakery companies in the small to mid-sized category, which really focuses on perimeter of store solutions. And so Portofino Bakery, which is the company that I run, focuses on a exciting, a better for you, a unique product that is a commercial artisan product with bread and buns that is really taking well to the market. But we also have a company called Coco Bakery, which makes uh, some of the best French macarons you'll see in, in bakery cases. And our other company, which is called Pace Processing, makes terrific pizzas uh, and cake slaps. If you've had a cake in Canada from a grocery store, you've likely had a Pace Processing product, as well as they make the uh, many of the deli pizzas uh, that you'll see in the deli sections of the uh, grocery stores. And so we tend to focus on perimeter of store. And all of our companies, we say that we're an impact platform as well. All of our companies do it a little bit differently, but we track all of our environmental, social, and community impact across our companies. For Portofino, that means we're a B Corp company, which we can get into uh, as well. But for each of the companies, we, we do focus on impact investing across uh, the landscape. So you're just doing a few things then. Not, not a big deal. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> overwhelming. Let's uh, stick with B Corp for a second. And one of the things I love about B Corp is the approach to local. And I've, I'm hearing that the sort of the radius that B Corp focuses on for local is actually changing. That requirement is getting a little bit smaller. The radius is shrinking a little bit. Talk to us about local sourcing and what you guys are doing from the flour mill perspective and how local ingredients impacts the bread and the products that you guys make. Yeah, it's one of the reasons that I really like B Corp is because the standard keeps increasing. And so they have a standards board that comes out with new standards that as we learn more as a society and as we uh, need to make the requirements, so to speak, more stringent uh, in terms of impact and community and how we treat our staff. And so that was one of the reasons that we got involved with the B Corp initiative specifically is because we saw it as a commitment, not only to do better now and, and be kind of ahead of the industry that we're in, but also it's a commitment to doing better. It'll hold ourselves to commitment every time we have to recertify, which is every uh, few years we have to do that. And so that's one of the reasons we really, really like the B Corp overall. The local sourcing part of it is one of the areas that is really challenging for a lot of companies and, and many of our companies included, uh, Portofino included. We do as much local sourcing as we can so that we have complete transparency into where our ingredients are coming from. And we can reduce the amount of travel time between the supplier 
in our plant. But as a food company, we can't always source every single one of our ingredients locally. All of our manufacturing for Portofino is done on Vancouver Island. And so when we need some of our specialized ingredients like our natural enzymes that we use for mold inhibition and other natural products, which are a bit more specialty products, we wish that we could source these things from Victoria. That would be terrific or somewhere on Vancouver Island. But the reality is if we want to make a better product, we're going to have to source a little bit further away. And so for us, that just emphasizes to source whatever else we can from local sources. Obviously, for us, one of the bigger ingredients is on the flour side of things. And so as an example, we've chosen to partner with mills here in British Columbia to source all of our flour from, from British Columbia. And so it's an active choice we make, but it's not always, uh, admittedly, it's not always an easy, easy one to do. And when you guys started, I remember hearing about you started with like large bags of flour, like we've all seen sort of commercial bags of flour, but you've migrated away from that and kind of gone even larger format so that you guys can uh, ditch some of that paper and some of that, all that extra waste. Is that, did I remember that correctly? Yeah, no, it's, it's, you got it right. It was one of the first investments that we made, one of the first major investments we made in, in the bakery when, when we purchased it, we try to approach as much as we can when we're putting money back into the bakery, can we look at it through a lens of both, hey, this is going to expand our production capacity, it's going to be able to increase our throughput, but what's the lens that we can use in terms of environmental impact? And so when we looked at all the options we had, one of the first ones we did was investing in a bulk flour silo. And so you can imagine these big silos with fabric silos, they can hold 30,000 kilos of flour in them. We used to do all of that work with our hands. And so we used to take these 20 kilo bags, pallets of them every single day and bring them over to the mixer and cut them open and then dump them into the mixer. It, it was very- Sounds like an exercise program. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a very tough job. And uh, as we grew, we were not only able to eliminate what we thought was one of the worst jobs in the bakery, unless you wanted a gym, <laughs> unless you wanted a gym experience. We eliminated one of the worst jobs in the bakery, but also we eliminated throwing out 150,000 flour bags every single year and that year and that number grows uh, as our volume grows as well and so it was one of those when you looked at all the options it was one of those no-brainer decisions that impacted our staff experience uh, positively and also allowed us to defer a lot of waste to the landfill and uh, it's, it's something that we're we're quite proud of and all the energy that it takes to put flour into 20 you know kilo bags and for it to get stacked and wrapped in all those pallets get wrapped in plastic to keep them from falling over. And yeah, it's it's an amazing reduction of waste and plastic and and landfill. So that's that's a great, great initiative. Sometimes we find it's the small things that can add up to a lot uh, in terms of waste impact. And so just you mentioning the wrapping of the pallets. And so we do transfers between our production facility and our warehouse facility. And to keep the product stabilized, we used to use a plastic wrap for every single pallet, even though we would take it and then unwrap that pallet 
to then distribute the product because we needed that stability between facilities. And what we found was a solution with a permanent, almost like a jacket that you can wrap around the pallet of bread that if you're going a short distance works just as well, if not better than, than the plastic wrap. And so that eliminated one of the steps in terms of using plastic wrap. And so we try to find these, these nooks and crannies where we can do a little bit better that eventually adds up to actually quite a bit of waste. Now, let's nerd out on bread for a second. It wasn't that long ago that sourdough making at home became all the rage. It ended up in my home too. There was a lot of talk about sourdough culture and starters and feeding the starter. I called it the monster. Did you feed the monster? Who's feeding the monster? Is the monster hungry? What's going on with the with the sourdough starter monster? But that process, as trendy as that was, and maybe I suppose it in, in, for some people it's out of vogue now, but the reality is, is that it kind of brought something to our homes. It brought something slow <laughs> to our homes, not convenient at all. There was nothing convenient about making sourdough at home. What is it about the slow craft baking process that gets people excited and it kind of scratches an itch that we have as humans? You're actually touching upon something sensitive because my, my sourdough starter just died <laughs> oh. after after a few years, and um, I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, it was sad, and I haven't started another one to be honest with you. I, I still need to start uh, another starter, but uh, it's something that we've been doing at Portofino for quite some time, and most of our products, not all of them, but most of our products go through multiple stages of. Uh, fermentation. And when we say fermentation, we really mean floor time. We say one of the things we have is floor time equals flavor. And for a number of our products, that means not only in an ambient environment, do we have time of fermentation to let the dough develop some of the key gases, some of the flavor, uh, some of the robustness of the dough. But for many of our products, we then do an additional step which we put it into a cooled environment. It's called retarding the dough. And we slow that fermentation right down and it's in a cooler environment for 12 to 14 hours, sometimes longer. And so from a production perspective, you can, you can imagine it doesn't make anything easier. That's for sure. But at the same time, we think it's so vital in terms of developing that unique texture of our products. When you have our products, you'll notice the textures is, is quite a bit different than most commercial breads. And the flavor profile allows it to really develop over that amount of time. And so we could do it quicker. It's definitely possible. Uh, we could start doing it tomorrow, but we think that it would fundamentally change some of the uniqueness that Portofino has around its products. Well, you just said the word floor. Can you explain what, like, I think as in you've dropping it on the floor, <laughs> what does the floor mean? <laughs> floor time just means any time in which before bake, let's say. And so you can think about your pizza dough or your bread at home, the time that you're fermenting it in an environment before you proof the product or before you bake the product. That's what we say when we say floor time. And so I can assure you that, uh, that nothing is hitting uh, the floor even though we keep the floor very clean. And so basically the floor time, if you were to think about the stage of process that it is, is once the mixing is done and before you bake the product, how much time is that? Is it a very short amount of time because you're trying to process your product as fast as possible? Or is it 12 to 14 hours between the time it gets mixed to the time it gets baked, which is how we treat many of our products? I love it. So good. 
Matt, thanks for doing this. Thanks for everything that you're doing with your team and for the community you work and your product is remarkable and excited to see where you guys are going in the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of Aisle 42. Hearing Matt's commitment to quality, community, and sustainability is really cool. You can learn more about what they're up to over at portofinobakery.ca. From all of us at Ethical Food Group, we're glad you're here, that you're investing your shopping dollars into the food and beverage brands that are making good things for people and the planet. And if you're telling your friends about this show, you get bonus points, like 42 points. (laughs) All right, I'm Corwin Hebert, and I'll see you in the future.